Let's pray. Father, we just come to you, Lord. The author and the finisher of our faith. What you have begun, you will finish. So this morning we surrender our spirit, our soul, our body to you, Lord. Speak to us, teach us, empower us, so that we can walk in what you tell us, Lord. In ourselves, we cannot do it. But through Christ Jesus, we too confess, I can do all things through Christ Jesus, who strengthens us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. All of eternity, we'll be thanking you for your Son and for your Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Speak to us now, Lord. Teach us. Show us. Mold us to the image of your Son. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So we're coming back to the kingdom of God. It's not easy, okay? But we have to practice that art of <coughs> like the old illustration I used to get when we were all young and you know, we traveled in buses and all kinds of modes of transport. When those turnings came, I think from the border to the capital in Bhutan, you had to go through around 27 or 28 hairpin curves. Okay, So when you are going, you know, those drivers, it's not power steering. He's exercising. These days it's power steering. Right? It's so easy. You know? so, but in, the, in this time, the pastors still have to use that old steering to get their people and their minds back to God and to his kingdom. Okay? Especially now even more in the time of pandemic and panic. Okay? Come on, chill. God is in control. He's always in control. Learn from the ancients. Learn from the greats. They were not rattled. Of course they were rattled in the physical. But the spiritual always overcame. You, can, you cannot live blind to the physical reality. But the spiritual was stronger than the physical material world. So therefore they always came back. And so you have to see how they saw. The primacy, that's how you prove the kingdom of God is primary in your life. The voice of the king is ultimately that matters. That you allow the eternal to triumph over the temporal and the spiritual over the material. So in Second Corinthians 5.7, it brings this tension, natural tension, which only believers go through. Unbelievers don't go through that. We are called to walk by faith and not by sight. Walk by faith and not only on Sunday morning, the service is going on relatively easier. Ambient setting, everything is there. But after that, you know, we walk by faith. In that walk by faith, it also involves how we think. The kingdom of God also has an ideology, which is called truth. And truth never changes. And the kingdoms of the world also have their ideologies and God is trying to frame us in truth. Also, we have to hear daily from the king's his voice, the king's voice. We have to daily hear that voice. That's the voice of his spirit. So eyes on Christ Jesus, the person, 
mind on things that are above. You know by now all these verses, right? Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, eyes on Christ, mind on things that are above, okay? Things above and not below. And since then, you have been raised with Christ, okay? okay. Uh, this is how we look at life. We have been raised with Christ. Okay, This is something which you have to do. Like all those who have gone into these very high mountains, ranges, I know the one which I have traveled umpteen times in my life. It's from the border town called Funcholing to the capital, Thimpo. At the highest point is uh, on the way is where you have a huge hydro project which India built in Bhutan and they sell electricity to us. Seven or eight, that electricity from Bhutan reaches all the way to till, till Delhi. We build the hydroelectric projects over there. So when you reach the highest point, it is written, bird's eye view. You look down, you will see this huge township of the project. But they all look like matchboxes. Okay, matchboxes. That's what God is talking about. Never forget where you are seated. From that vantage point, look at life. Then you will see how small your problems are. Your problems are. That's the only way you can handle it. If you look at from any other vantage point, you will look at life as too difficult, too problematic, who will, no. So God says that's where you have been raised. If you have been raised with Christ, set your things, your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. What is your things about? Thy kingdom, his kingdom purpose, his will, his name. That's where our mind should be. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. Okay? Bible is very, very careful. He says, understand your physical reality. You're living and walking on earth. But don't forget spiritually where you are seated. Where you are seated. That's where, how you should function. That's the life of faith. And that's how Jesus walked. One man, the first man to walk completely, totally by faith was Jesus Christ. First man ever in human history to be full of the Holy Spirit, completely filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how he walked. How do you know you are full of the Holy Spirit? Is when you walk by faith. Absolutely walk by faith. Okay, that's how Jesus walked. Okay. So please remember, these are all what we call ideals. And ideals are important in the kingdom of God, like in the world. They are important. You have to keep aiming at it. Aiming at it. Lord, I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit one day and walk in that manner all the days of my life. Okay, That involves both hearing the voice and also truth. We will keep going, never get complacent about it. Like in Matthew 7 and verse 24 in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus talks about the two houses, the house that stood, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, this is not talking about the hearing of faith of your healing or deliverance. It's not talking about that. It's talking about truth. You see, one of the fundamental issues with Christians, one of the fundamental issues of Christians, most Christians are like King Saul. They have no deep convictions about anything. Are they saved? Yes. Are they anointed? Yes. But do you have deep convictions? That's what the Bible is talking about. Do you have deep convictions? That is how your mind is framed by truth. You know? 
you do not have deep convictions, you know what your mind is? Your mind is mixed. That represents the crowd that came out of Egypt, that mixed multitude. We do not realize churches are full of mixed multitudes. Their minds are not framed by truth. But God has. That's what, that is how you build your house on the rock. Then when calamity comes and all these things happen in homes and families and churches and societies, you are not shaken. Not that it doesn't affect you. It's only affecting your body. It's not affecting your mind. Because your mind has been, been framed by the deep truths of God. Okay, That's what God is talking about. And so Jesus was absolutely that man on the rock. Okay, He was the rock. He was the first man to walk in the flesh completely controlled by the Holy Spirit. Absolutely led by the Spirit of God. And he showed us the way. Okay, showed us the way. It's Martin Luther who said, if some emperor were to destroy all the copies of the Bible and only the gospel according to John and the book of Romans were to survive, Christianity would still be as strong. Because the gospel according to John is kind of different from the other four gospels. It is different. No? Each one, if you look at uh, Matthew, it begins with the genealogy. Luke begins with uh, John's father, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And it's a more historical record. Mark suddenly begins with his ministry. But John is completely different. It's completely different. No, completely different. And you need to realize people will say, John heard, Matthew heard from this one, Mark. They're forgetting. It, they did not hear from anybody. They heard from the Holy Spirit. Okay, I get irritated when I read uh, really good biblical scholars trying to bring the human element into it. You think Matthew heard from, went around asking and then wrote the gospel. Then where is the authority of scripture there? No, it's not. So the Holy Spirit was involved in writing all of this. But the fourth gospel, the gospel according to John, John shows us the way of how Jesus walked. Okay, Jesus walked. He became flesh and dwelt among us. Full of grace. Full of truth. Both absolutely deep rooted, deep seated convictions and controlled by the power of his own, of his own spirit, Holy Spirit. Okay, so you will see it's an eye opener if you look at uh, if you look at the gospel according to John. It's a way even the statement he makes in the gospel according to John is teaching us how does a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit live? How does the person live? How does it happen? Okay, you don't have to go there. How does it happen? Okay, You see Jesus walking and he's got people behind him and then he turns and looks at his two disciples and asks him, what do you seek? Meaning a spirit filled person has the discernment to know who is seeking God and who is not seeking God. He gives you the discernment. It may be a crowd before you or behind you, but he knows those who are seeking God and those who are not seeking God. And you don't waste your time and your attention on those who are not seeking God. No. Through it all you will see. You will always see. You know? And he tells Nathaniel, that's a sign of a spiritual man. I saw you under, under the Meaning, a spirit-filled person is able to see people who have no guile in their hearts. And that's the key. That's the key. Because one of the things in life is that you want to encounter and be with people who have no guile in their hearts. Okay, guile in their hearts. And Jesus is able to see through and says, you know what, that, 
Batman has no gun in his heart. No. He's able to understand timing. And he's able to even understand, look at his mother and say, my time has not come yet. There is a time and a season to do certain things in the kingdom of God. And a spiritual person is aware of God's timing. He doesn't do before or he doesn't do after. Okay? He's able to see the state of his own heart. He understands. My heart is the temple of God. It is not to be used for merchandise. Remember? So he goes into the house of God. And he says, take all these things away. Take all these things away. My father's house is a house of prayer. It's not a house of merchandise. And your prayer life itself can be a prayer life of merchandise, buying and selling. And he's got the absolute assurance of the indestructibility of what he is building. He says, destroy this. I'll rebuild it in three days. A spiritual man is able to look inside and see what is being built by the Spirit of God is what matters and cannot be destroyed by time or powers above or below. He's able to look at incredible theologian and see that he's not saved. He's not saved. You need to be born again. I know one of the toughest times in my life was when I had to tell a bishop that you need to be born again. Okay. So you go through these statements. Go through these statements. And look at him sitting with this Samaritan woman and telling you one of the most important facets, one of the most important things about life, that there is a worship that will happen, which is deep-rooted in convictions, which is called truth and the spirit. Which is the only thing that will lead to true worship. And I'm telling you, still, people do not have deep-rooted conviction. It's not that they're not hearing, but they're also simultaneously hearing so many other things. They are not able to separate themselves from the ideas of the world. And that's what one thing social media does. Social media will, and most of the forwards, even with Christian sense, if you look at the core of it, if you have discernment, it's humanism. It is not Christ-centric. It's humanism. It's, it sounds good. looks good. But it is still exalting man and not Christ. Okay. So that's why in the Gospel according to John, because last time we met, I spoke on Thursday, we are looking at the Gospel according to John, because we are trying to bring the focus back to us. How do I become a kingdom person? How do I keep my mind on things about while living on earth, and fulfill the purpose of the king. And we saw the signs. And uh, the signs, the miracles in John are called signs, meaning it bigger than something that you experience in your life. There's a message behind it. Don't miss the message. So we saw, like contemporary situation, the world is facing two major crises, which is the two major crises of every physical human being. Right? Whether it is human, or animal, or plant. What is that? Lack and disease. How do plants die? Either there is no water, or disease comes, and the plant dies. Animals, lack or disease. 
At that common level, we are all the same. Either it is lack or disease. And we saw how Jesus comes and deals with both. That is why it is so important to hear. Lack may not be the same in everybody's life, but lack is lack. Lack. Okay. And whether it is a lack in resources or something else, the answer lies in from hearing from Jesus and doing whatever he says, implicitly obeying. It doesn't make any sense to us. It doesn't make any sense to us, but it still is the only way out of your lack. Whatever your lack you're facing, the same way with disease, you have to hear and obey. Don't try to add anything to it. Take him at his word and go. And in every case, you will see in the healings of Jesus Christ, they were not similar. He did different things. They had to do something. And only when they did it the way he said it, the healing took place. That is the importance of hearing. Okay, The second hearing. One is deep-rooted convictions we need to come. And second, we need to hear the voice of God. And like Pastor Vijay and I, mean, I think we were talking, and we are talking about that's what God tried to do with Israel when he brought them out of Egypt. He had to take them out of Egypt. He didn't straight away take them into the promised land. He took them into the wilderness. Two things. One, so that he could give them their truths. Truth. Okay? And they would learn to listen to his voice. Both things. Okay? The truth. You have grown up for 400 years in the ideology of Egypt. So many ideologies. Wisdom of Egypt as it called. And you have seen it. And you have seen the manifestation of power of over Egypt. They exercised power over you. And so much of that has gone into you. So either you will be a slave or you will try to exercise that same kind of power over others. These are all ideologies. He emptied. He wanted to empty them out of those ideas and replace it with truth. And also that they would learn to hear his voice. And that's the answer. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but everybody. They failed. The second generation succeeded. So today we will go to John chapter 5. Okay? We look at the greatest sign of all his signs is in John chapter 5 and verse 1. He who was born under the law of woman, okay, Jesus was born under the law of the woman, is fulfilling the demands of the law. The demands of the law is that every Hebrew male above the age of 18 or something has to go to Jerusalem at least three times a year for the feast. So after this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Okay, so he stays under that practice. Okay, because he's born under the law, he has to keep the law and fulfill the law. So he goes and he is going up to Jerusalem and he's led by the Spirit. If you look at verse 2, now there in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool which is called in Hebrew Bethsheda, having five porches. So he's, he's being led by the Holy Spirit. If you, look, uh, if you read Nehemiah, there are 10 gates in Nehemiah. And Ezekiel's prophecy, there will be 12 gates. And eternally also, there is 12 gates over there. So right now, there are 10 gates. But the Spirit of God is leading to a particular gate. Okay, You have to look at it. This is the fundamental things which you have to learn about life. You may be approaching a situation. There may be 10 ways. Which way will you choose? Which way will you choose? Because the way you choose there is something also appointed by God there. You could enter in and go for the feast through another gate, but you miss the Holy Spirit's appointment for somebody else, which God wanted to do through you. You missed it. 
So he's very, very open to the Spirit of God. And if you remember, Nehemiah, when he builds the wall, this is the first gate that is set up. He's the shepherd and he goes to the sheep gate. Okay, and a sheep gate is to bring the sheep in. This is not for the people. This gate is where they brought all the sheep and the goats for sacrifice. The fish gate is there, the sheep gate is there, the dung gate is there, the king's gate is there, the horse gate is there. All kinds of gates are there. Now, he doesn't go through the king's gate. He doesn't go through the horse gate. He doesn't. He goes through the sheep gate. And scripture says, when he goes to the sheep gate, yeah, let's come to verse 2. Yeah, he's there at the sheep gate. And there is a pool which is called in Hebrew, Betsheda. Actually, this word Betsheda is the only place where it is used. You don't have Betsheda there mentioned anywhere else. Betsheda is there, but Betsheda is the only place. And why is it mentioned here? You know why it's mentioned here? Because he obeyed the Holy Spirit and went to that place. Otherwise, it wouldn't be there in Scripture. You wouldn't even know there was such a place. Why do we know that there was a wedding at Kana? Because they invited and he went. That's the only reason. Otherwise, it's not there in scripture. Not okay. So we know. Having five porches is interesting because Betsheta means house of mercy. And five, of course, we know is the number of grace. So the house of grace, the house of mercy, with these five columns representing grace, there lay a great multitude of sick people. That is the history of Israel and often the history of the church. House of mercy. House of Grace, Portal of Grace. Okay. Let's go to KJV. It's interesting what KJV writes in verse 3. In this lay a great multitude of impotent folk. Be impotent means people who have no power. That's the truth. Because when you use the word sick, we relegate it because we have to look at what does it mean to me now? What does it mean in all times? There is mercy. There is unlimited grace available from God. His mercy is for a thousand generations. His grace is sufficient for everything. And there is a whole set of impotent people lying there. And that's the truth of people. In the house of God, in the churches, this is the truth. So I wanted to give the title when the impotent meets the omnipotent. What happens? We are all important, powerless in our situations. And then he comes in. The omnipotent comes over there. All kinds of people, helpless. A people without hope. They have no hope. The great multitude of important folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for what? The moving of the water. They're waiting for the moving of the water. We know in the next reality, angel comes and stirs. But let me tell you something. An angel has never healed a single person from that day till today. Ever in human history. It's the Holy Spirit who heals. Angels are only servants who do God's bidding. They don't heal anybody. They don't deliver anybody. They cannot. All around the world, okay, for thousands of years, this is what has happened. From Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, 3 onwards. Everything happens when the Holy Spirit moves over the waters. This revival is brought by the Spirit of God when He moves. Restoration is brought by the Holy Spirit when He moves. And these are a set of important people waiting for a move of the Holy Spirit. 
video lying over there. Let's skip verse 4 which talks about the angel. Let's go to verse 5 and 6. Okay, 4, yeah. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. A certain man. Anybody can fit yourself into that narrative. A certain man. 38, 3 years, 8 years. You can pick your number. The number is relevant right now here if you want to apply it. But there is a certain man. Okay, anyone. Anyone. And Jesus goes there. He saw him lying there. Knew he had already been in that condition a long time. And he said, Jesus knew. Jesus knows everything. That's the beauty about it. You need to realize it doesn't matter how long you have been powerless. It's not hidden from Jesus' eyes. He knows. He knows. He knows. And he goes. Okay. He goes. If you look at his answer, Jesus asked him a question. Will thou be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? Don't get too familiar because we have heard it many times in different contexts. But the question is still the same. Every day the Spirit of God asks that same question. Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? And what does a man say? Sir, I am. I have no man. No. Meaning, there is a certain man who says, I have no man to help me. There are two kinds of people. Okay? Ultimately, if you divide people, one, those who live a life of dependency. who truly do not know Christ, falls into these two categories. Either they are completely dependent on something other than Christ, or they are entirely dependent upon self. They are independent. The devil will lead people into one of these two ruts. Either he will make you totally dependent, and I have no man, therefore I am powerless, or I need no man. And the dependent and the independent are actually both in the same condition. They both are lost. Okay. So first let us look at the independent. These are people who have actually worked hard. And they have overcome lots of odds. And have made a success for themselves. They are successful. They are not unsuccessful people. They are successful. And they really struggle with the kingdom of God. Fundamental basic truth that salvation is a free gift and cannot be earned. Because they have always beaten every odd and have successful because of their own. They don't need self-help. They don't need help from outside. They can never be in somebody else's debt because they are self-made people. They really struggle with Jesus. Even when they get saved, they struggle with Jesus. And it's represented by Nicodemus. Nicodemus one day did not become a member of the Sanhedrin. He has worked hard as a Jew, as a Hebrew. And he has reached the pinnacle of his religious career. So it is not easy for him. Easy for him. We'll come back to Nicodemus. Then there is the second person, second group of people represented by these people, by this man. 
If you ask them why they cannot be healed, why they cannot succeed in any area, they will give you all the reasons why they cannot be successful. The problem is after some time, your own excuses become your comfort. That's the matter, okay? Your excuses become, you are very comfortable with your excuses. So to everyone, Jesus asked this question, do you want to be made whole? I'm telling you to this question, it is easier for those who are dependent to come out. The independent will still struggle because it would mean they have to take the help of another. Do you remember the first independent we see in the gospel according to John? In John chapter 3 verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night. These independent people in the kingdom of God, it's not like the closet where Jesus talked about praying. No, it's not about that. They pray secretly. They struggle secretly. They even cry secretly. Their needs are never known by another man because their pride does not allow them. not allow them. They have a secret life. But nothing changes in their life. God does not intervene because they getting into their secret closet and praying is not keeping the command of God. It is basically because of pride. Because of pride. Because the humble will share. God says confess, ask. Even Peter, Paul will say, please remember me in your prayers. Jesus said to Peter, remember me in your prayers. Peter, please sit up and pray. But these people, no, you know. So Nicodemus is a sign of that. He comes to Jesus by night. He doesn't want anybody to know that he does not know like Jesus. Doesn't want anybody to see. He probably covered his face and oh, no lights like this. No, he came in like that. Jesus receives them too. But God never blesses pride. So we see him coming. We don't see him going. We'll see it only much later in John chapter 19. You will see Nicodemus who came in the night. So please let me tell you. The Nicodemus and this man represent two categories. And if they don't encounter Jesus genuinely and humble themselves, they will both exit the church. They cannot stay too long. They will exit. To the independent, Jesus says something in John chapter 3, verses 5 to 8. He says something. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless he is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Which is born of flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. You know what he says? Do not marvel when I tell you you have to be born again. Yeah, come down. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. He says, you know what, Nicodemus? Let me tell you, you have to start all over again. 
you mean all that I did and studied and worked for today is worth nothing? He says, not at all. Start all over again. Not only that, and continue that way. You'll be entirely dependent upon my spirit. You don't know where he will take you tomorrow, which way he will turn you day after tomorrow. You do not know. Nobody tells the Holy Spirit what to do. He goes where he wishes. Because he is the only one who knows the heart of the Father. So Nicodemus, it's, it's not written there, but he exits in the night. He exits. He goes back in the night. So to everyone who is independent, God has nothing to say. You have to start all over again. All over again. There's no other way. Please understand, these are fundamental things which is there in our hearts, which we have to deal with. To the other one who is dependent and says, there is no one to help me, Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 8. All your excuses are over today. No more excuses. Rise, take up your bed and walk. Take a bed with you. Take your excuses with you. No more excuses after today. No more excuses. Okay? And a lot of people in the kingdom of God have made iniquity into an excuse. Iniquity is like a very, very scriptural now. Okay? Because falling back on iniquity is falling on somebody else is the reason why you are like. God says, no. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Generational curses. Are this all true? Yes. But do you have to walk in it? No. No. And break free and walk free. Okay. So he says, no more excuses. Pick up your mat and walk. Okay. Let's pause here for a minute. I will take a slight shift. Let's go back to 6 and 7. Jesus' question and his answer. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said to him, <coughs> Will thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. What is his answer? I am alone. And when the water is terrible to put me into the pool, when I am coming, another steps out before me. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I am alone. No one cares. This is the reality of life. People sit and die literally alone. Both the poor and the rich. The sick and the healthy. People are alone. Nicodemus did not come with a crowd. He came alone. Usually independent people surround themselves with a set of weak people who are dependent upon them. So they are still alone. Okay. Still alone. How long have you been alone? 38 years. In his case, number is given. This is the reality you have to face. People are alone. How long have you been married? 15 years. Oh, are you happy? No, I am alone. How long having been working in this company? 20 years. Oh, you must be happy. No, I'm alone. Okay. 
Jacob, you must be very happy, no? Yeah? How many wives? Four wives. How many children? Ten? Eleven children? Are you happy? He says, no, I'm alone. I'm alone. Samaritan lady, how are you today? How many husbands did you have? Five. And who are you with? The boyfriend. Are you happy? No, I'm alone. That's why I came to the well alone. You need to realize this is the reality of life. God who said it is not good for man to be alone. After man fell, he's been alone. He's been alone. Genesis chapter 32 and verse 24. God waited finally and Jacob was left alone. And God met him and wrestled with him until the breaking of day. He had surrounded himself with people, but he was still alone. The first time he separated himself from all of them was alone. God met him. And you will see after that, Jacob won't be really alone. He would have encountered God. A lot of things which people do is because they are alone. Spiritually. Loneliness is killing this world. Why are people addicted to a lot of stuff? Because they are alone. Why are people addicted to drugs? Because they are alone. Why are people addicted to movies? Because they are alone. Why do you wake up first thing in the morning? Not us. Why do people wake up first thing in the morning and look into Facebook? Because you are alone. You see, did somebody appreciate my post? <laughs> like my post? Everybody is alone. Surrounded by people but alone. Hmm? Movies, gaming... Why are there workaholics in the world? Because they are alone. And work is their escape. Work is their escape. Work is their escape. Jesus was a hard worker, but work was never his escape. He never had to escape. And he was never alone. Even when everybody left him, he said, no, I'm not alone. My father is always with me. Second Samuel chapter 11 and verse 1. It happened in the spring of the year, the times when kings go out to war. David sent Job, his servants with him, and all Israel. They destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David was alone. He was bored. Technically speaking, he had nobody to talk to. Surrounded by wives and concubines and children, but nobody to talk to. He was bored. And Jesus is the only one who seeks out people who are alone. Seeks out people who are alone. That's, that's the incredible nature of Jesus. Incredible nature of Jesus. You go through the entire narrative of Jesus Christ. He was always available. Always available. He could be approached. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus. In John chapter 4, Jesus goes to the Samaritan woman because she cannot approach anybody. So those who cannot approach anybody, Jesus approaches them. 
Jesus' approach as well. Why are these things mentioned in the Bible? Because the whole world people, especially during this pandemic, people are dying of loneliness. Without realizing, there is Jesus right there with you. Would you just open your eyes, your hearts, you will see him right there. You'll go out of his way to meet people. In John chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, see what he does for the lonely. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was the sixth hour. He went out of the way, and he went tired, and he waited for this lonely person to approach him. And knowing that she wouldn't start a conversation, he started a conversation. He never drinks any water there. It's not even written he drank water. But he starts the conversation with the lonely. He asked her a question. He asked this man a question. He starts the conversation. Are ears open to hear him speak? Could you just shut down your Facebook and your social media? You will hear him speak. You've been on Facebook for all these years. Aren't you still alone? You sought out bar after bar and nightclub after nightclub and all. Aren't you still miserable and lonely? Could you just shut all these things down and you will hear him speak to you? He spoke to her. She didn't speak to him. He spoke to her. He didn't speak to Jesus. Jesus spoke to her. And Jesus knew you've been alone for so long. That's what he was trying to say. No one understands. He says, I do. He says, no one cares. Jesus says, I do. Didn't you have five husbands? Boyfriends? Still you have to come alone? Look at verse 5, or verse 6 of chapter 5. It's interesting. Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in his case. He said to him, will, you, will thou be made whole? Let me tell you something. This man did not know who Jesus was. This man had no faith. He prayed no prayer. He was not inside the city the temple. He was outside. He was not inside. He was outside. All around the world, there are people locked down in their houses. They don't know Jesus, but Jesus knows them. They have no faith, but Jesus still comes. They have no prayer to offer, but He's still there. They are not inside the church. They are outside, and He's still there. He's still there. In John chapter 4, with the Samaritan woman, we don't have to go there. And John chapter 5, with this lame man. Jesus is teaching the most important lesson of his ministry, the greatest sign. You know what? Everyone is saved by grace and grace alone. The mercy of God, the grace of God, is simply free. We didn't seek him. He sought us. We didn't choose him. He chose us. He chose us. He sought out and chose us. He chose us. We didn't seek him. 
He sought us. We didn't choose him. He chose us. In Psalm 68 and verse 6, this is what scripture says. He sets the solitary, the lonely ones, in families. And of all he has picked all these lonely ones, and when they listen to him, believe, he put them into the family of God. You'll never be alone. Never, ever be alone. I'll be with you till the very end. I will send somebody like you who will be with you, in you. You will no longer be orphaned. Forever. He sets the lonely. In KJV we say the lonely. In families. And he brings out those who are bound into prosperity. Fullness, the fatness of the soul. But the rebellious, they will dwell in Israel. Those who want to hear his voice and obey his voice, they will dwell in it right now. This is our God. This is the greatest thing he does. The greatest thing he does and the fundamental thing you need to realize, you have to realize, both with this Samaritan woman and this man who has been impotent, lame for 38 years, is neither of them sought God. God sought them out. That is the truth of salvation. Let's go to Romans chapter 9. And verse 15 and 16. 15 and 16. He says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then it is not him who wills, nor him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. He says, I choose. Why he chooses, we do not know. But we know his choices, right? But it's got nothing to do with us. The sovereignty of God. He says, I show mercy to whom I show mercy. I show compassion to her compassion. Right? And that's what Jesus said. There are so many widows in Samaria. Sorry, widows in Israel. They send a prophet to Samaria. Why? It's my call. There were plenty of lepers in Israel. Healed a Syrian general. It's my call. Showed him mercy. Go back and look at chapter 5 of John and verse 3 again. Now there at pool of Bethesda, in these lay a great multitude of important men, blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. What does it say? There was a massive multitude of people. Jesus went to one. You want to get well? Pick up your mat and he walked away. Think about it. Think back to your first day in school onwards. Wasn't there a multitude of people sitting around you? Did he touch all of them? No. Did you do anything for him to touch? No. Because the mercy of God. Fifty of you sat in one class. I can remember all the days, I cannot remember exactly numbers, all the days of my school in Bhutan. All those students. I don't think any one of them he touched. School days. College days. Think about it. Think about it. College days, at least you will remember. No? College days, I can remember in my class. Okay, only two. He touched. Hostel days, I can remember. All my friends. He only touched me. And he walked past the rest. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? 
Because he shows mercy to him. You and I didn't deserve it. We were like the Samaritan woman, outcast. We were like that man with no power to save ourselves. He shows mercy to him. He shows mercy to Jesus. And when he does that, what happens in verse 8 and 9? John 5, yeah. Jesus said, rise up, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well. Let me tell you here, here nothing of faith is happening. There's no prayer, no faith, nothing. This is a gift of miracle. He's walking on Jesus' faith. Okay? This guy didn't pray. Jesus didn't lay hands upon him. This man had no faith. He didn't even know who Jesus was. So later they will ask him. He said, I don't know. The man who told me. Nothing. Okay? How did we get saved? Not because we prayed. How did we get saved? Not because we had faith. Even that faith was a gift. You are saved by grace through faith. Not of yourself. It is a gift. Both the faith to receive the grace also was a gift. In ourselves, we have no faith. It has to be given as a gift. This is important. This is important. Because if you realize this is how you are saved and this is how you will always be saved, there is no room for self at all. Absolutely. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. There's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do to add to the work of God. Absolutely nothing you can do to add to the work of God. And that's why the independent hate it. Though they want to get into heaven, they don't like the way. Because every step of the way, the independent has to humble themselves. Well, the dependent, once he starts walking, he doesn't mind it. He doesn't, okay, thank you, Lord. I was trying to depend upon all these people, but nobody was there. But now you are there. Thank you, Lord. I will know. That's why the Mary Magdalene and all will follow Jesus. Even his dead body, they will follow. They don't care whether he's dead or alive. They're not going to stop following him. Okay? Well, all the others stand far off. Understand this difference because it is important. So he stood up and he walked. What about the others? They were still lying there. Think about it. Think a minute about it. When he stood up and he picked up his mat and walked, how come there was no commotion there? Hey, 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 how did you walk? Why, we also want it. Is there any reaction there? No. You got saved and your life changed. Is there a commotion? Did your friends want to be want your life? Did your friends want your life? Did your friends want your life? Nobody is interested in salvation. So God is supernatural. He is sovereign. He knows to whom to show mercy and whom not to show mercy. Because people are not really interested in the kingdom of God. They want solutions to their problems. Because salvation is the sign. The sign of all signs. It's not the healing of man. The healing of a physical part of your body. That's not. The sign of all signs. The greatest sign is that I am a recipient of mercy. A recipient of mercy. When he stood up and he walked, there's nothing happening there. People are still lying there. Jesus also walked away. He also walks away. Go back to Romans chapter 9. 
and verse 17 and 18. And then 22-23. Romans 9, 17 and 18. And scripture saith, let's have NKJV now. Okay, NKJV saith and all our new believers will wonder what to do. For the scripture says to the Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore he has mercy on whom he wills, and to whom he wills he hardens. Now go to the terrible part, 22 and 23. Humanity is divided into two groups. What if God, wanting to show his wrath and make his power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory? So there are only two kinds of vessels all over the earth. He's the potter. And there are two kinds of vessels, vessels of mercy and vessels of wrath. You know, yesterday we had so many questions about all these wicked people prospering. Don't you realize? They are wrestles of what? And God is long-suffering. Very patient with them. But ultimately, he says, you are, you are kept for destruction. I will displace my power through you. When you are destroyed, the world will know my power. This one also, your vessel of mercy. And on you, scripture says, yeah, we went back. You were prepared for my glory. Are we getting the picture? This is the truth. This is the truth. That's why the rich struggle in Luke chapter 18. We are not talking about material wealth alone. That's only one factor. 18, 24 and 25. Luke 18. When Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Why does he say the gospel is preached to the poor? Because it's very easy for them. One, they have no money. They don't have great ideas in their head. Never went to college. Mind didn't get messed up. They don't have any fame. To have shame. <laughs> no. They don't have any of these things. Okay? So it's easy for them to receive the gospel. But we are talking about people who are rich in so many other ways. So many other ways. Because riches gives you independence. I'm not talking about money alone. Now people who are very rich in ideas. That's why Paul tells, don't get into arguments, just walk away. Because they don't get into arguments. So many people. And the church is full of people with ideas. Not so much truth. You know, like I keep saying, you know, feminist Christians, humanist Christians, socialist Christians, liberal Christians. Let me tell you, pastors, very smart intellectual pastors, you know how many of these intellectual pastors are so rich in their thoughts? They are actually Chomsky fans. 
pastors are Chomsky and Chomsky is one of those linguists who actually was a linguist, but he's into everything. He's a rogue Jew. He fights for the Palestinian cause and not the Jewish. The simple things which I ask Christians are all over US, yes, they're all down for the Palestinians cause. My simple thing to them is that who does the earth belong to? Do you belong the earth belongs to God? Do you belong what God told Abraham? I give it to him and his descendants forever. Do you believe in that stamp paper? As a real estate owner, does he, land owner, does he have the right to give it to whoever he pleases? What is his Palestinian cause for a believer? I don't have to agree with the Jews, but I agree with God. Chomsky is a very dangerous man. Very, very dangerous man. Very dangerous man. Once I was sitting in a professor's class who was Chomsky's student disciple. And I was listening to him and he said one statement which struck in my head after 25, 30 years. It's still there in my head. He was Chomsky's own disciple. Student at all. Fantastic, brilliant in the world. He said a line. One of the fundamental Chomsky ideas is that the word does not have meaning. And think about who Christ is. Okay. You need to understand how dangerous they are. People go gaga over it. And they think it is. Oh, I read Chomsky. Do you hear the latest from Chomsky? They don't hear the latest from the Holy Spirit. They hear the latest from Chomsky. I'm talking about from the setting from which I came in. Everybody was just throwing names around. Even Christians say, oh, did you hear Ravi said? Did you understand what he said first? Because I know your language. Can you really understand Ravi His ideas he's putting across. Really? Can you grapple with the ideas he's trying to talk? Don't throw this Ravi at me. Because Ravi is talking to a crowd who is absolutely... What? Saturated with Marxism and socialism and humanism and feminism with all these ideas. So what he speaks only matter to them, not to me and me. He's trying to tackle with ideas the power of truth opposing all these ideas. You don't know what Marxism is. You don't know what socialism is. You don't know any of these things. What are you listening to Ravizak for? Just to show off? His illustrations are the only one things you understand actually. You know, one of the fundamental ideas of Marxism is called dialectical materialism. People don't even understand what it is. It is, means everything has to be seen and understood in the terms of only a material world and not metaphysical, spiritual, nothing, only material. And that is the fundamental thesis on which Marxism and socialism is built on. That is what is happening entirely in the West. That's why in socialism, human beings don't have value. You can take and give it to the others, hard work and all that is irrelevant because you are looking at dialectical materialism. Capitalism is the other extreme. These are all ideas. The kingdom of God is based on truth. Based on truth. The truth is, is what God has said and what he is. What God has said is what he is. And people do not realize what God is talking about. Even in the church, people are either capitalists or socialists. 
and they get into causes. You need to realize the energy of the church is entirely diverted into causes which are not connected with the gospel. With the gospel. The minute you get into causes, what happens? The gospel, the Holy Spirit steps away. He steps away. He steps away. And these are ideas. They are rich. So, so Jesus is saying, how difficult it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom. You see how difficult it, how easy it was for the Samaritan woman. How easy it was a man who has been lame for 30 years. How difficult it was for Nicodemus. He just walked away in the night. How easy it was for the Samaritan woman to understand the concept about worship while Nicodemus is struggling to understand the concept of being born again. You see the difference? You pick a simple, humble, poor man and give him the gospel. He believes he gets saved. You pick a rich man, an intellectual man and and try to talk about being born again. He, He struggles. He struggles. And we do not realize we all struggle with these things. So the question we have to ask is, what am I? What am I inside? We are not talking about the cash in your wallet. Am I rich or am I poor? Other thing is our culture. There are culture vultures. Culture. It's all about culture. You need to realize it, it, it permeates into you until you are not even aware of it. Okay, you can call the white man racist, 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 black lives matter. Then why are you dyeing your hair blonde? Why are you lightening your skin color? Why are you not satisfied the way God made you? Why are you so dissatisfied? the white man, forever lying in the sun to get his skin darker. Nobody is satisfied. The problem is you cannot speak to you thought at least you could speak in the church, right? But you cannot speak to anybody. Okay? Everybody carries offense on their shoulder. That's a chip. They talk worried about the Antichrist chip. The chip is already there. Like I was telling the Nepali and Hindi churches. Everybody is pandemic, 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 pandemic. But does anybody tell you why there are so many casualties in the West or US especially? Because of obesity. And obesity is a result of your unhealthy eating habits. My question is, have all the mothers gone back to cooking? No. They're still waiting for the restaurants to open. Home delivery. Home delivery. See, God can do everything possible. But the question is, will you pick up your map and walk? Pick up your map? Your excuses? Excuses. Because one of the funny things which actually if you look at it really happened is when this lockdown and the 
severe lockdown took place and even in our city it's still lockdown all the hospitals are only for covid patients nothing is happening in any hospital right but before this happened if you went to the hospital the hospital was packed of with patients but now there are no patients so the question is where did the patients go <laughs> think about it. where did these patients go every nook and corner corner a hospital hospital full of pay opd in patient is packed now there are no patients so where did they go you know where did they go the mother started cooking or they started cooking in their home and illnesses started going so is that true earlier you apply you book your gas it takes 2 weeks now you book your gas it comes the next day you know why all the restaurants are closed so gas is in over supply That fellow was supposed to get only commercial cylinder, but all the domestic cylinder was going to him. What we are saying is, pandemic is a sign. Did you get the message to change your lifestyle? Did you get your message to change your lifestyle? That's what God is saying. How long can God lock it down? He says, "Well, open it up." Those who got the message got the message. All the others. the oh miracle has happened pandemic is gone you're not getting the lessons because we are too rich to change too rich to change too rich to change that's what god is saying there are vessels of wrath and vessels of mercy will you change the life you know how simple life became simple life became especially the first 30 40 60 days of lockdown where nothing was available except whatever you could get you had to stand in the queue for 2 hours to buy vegetables with social distance remember nobody was complaining in their house about what was being served because that was all that was available people do not realize price of negligence now you will pay it later you see none of us are really really used most people are not really really used by god when they are young but they simply do not have the spiritual and the mental capacity to hear and understand what god is saying even if you hear you will run like moses and make a mess of it you need to realize that fundamentally this is what these are kingdom principles you and i will be really real unless we are like paul and dedicated even that he goofed up a lot in the beginning in many years he goofed up okay if you look at paul's life the thing is that this it takes time to mature to understand the principles of what patience long suffering all the concepts about the kingdom it only come later the problem is the devil knows it so what does he do before that time comes up he messes your body up so that when the time comes know all this there is no body to serve god everything is aching everything is creaking you are not able to pray you are not able to sit and the habit is set in now you have to eat what you always was used to eat and you keep on justifying itself without realizing your life for god is a waste these are how you look at it this is what is called about order in the schools 
there are certain things which can be done only when you are young those are the years you have to frame yourself and say i know lord there's a call of god upon my life because there were a thousand people on that pool you touched me i got up and walked you know what god i'm going to change my life now i don't know when you will choose me when you will choose me when the day of choosing comes i will see that i have done according to scripture whatever i should do that i'm ready i'm prepared people don't realize this of course god has mercy and all those who come to the lord late and all that's a different thing i'm not talking about that much of the people over here is is a young a young the question god is asking is are you poor or are you rich are you a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath do you remember acts 7:22 rich man Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians mighty in words and he's very rich in himself very rich oh ideas he couldn't have a conversation with Moses boy shout of his lips came the wisdom of Egypt mighty God didn't want him as a God showed mercy on him you didn't realize he was alive and smart because god showed him mercy and so many of the boys drowned in nile he was protected because god there were many boys born in hebrew homes god showed mercy on one boy he didn't realize that he thought he was chosen because he was smart at 80 you see a different man now he's poor now he's poor and now he's poor it's an incredible scene if you have to see in your mind's eye okay you have to see it there is moses old shepherd old man with his staff poor and there is pharaoh mighty man sitting in a golden throne with all the pomp and glory of the greatest empire on earth two people they probably grew up together went to school together studied together that's why he's got so free entry into the palace because he probably knows the people they were princes together but if you the world has no clue this is an object of mercy and that is an object of wrath has no clue at all no clue at all you look at him a poor shepherd which has come from the desert holding a shepherd's staff and you look at him He's standing there with the pomp and glory of Egypt. Nobody will know that is a vessel of wrath, and this is a vessel of mercy. And God says, "How do you see? How do you see yourself? How do you see yourself?" Pharaoh versus Moses. That's what Moses. Paul is using the illustration. God is telling Paul. the scepter versus the shepherd's rod the riches of the wisdom of egypt versus what god has spoken one line message what is that the god of hebrew says israel is my firstborn let him go and here it stands all the pharisees with the wisdom nicodemus and all of them gamaliel all of them 
years of seminary training and comes a poor old man. If not poor old man, a simple man, dressed crazily, one line message, repent the kingdom of God is here. What a difference. They are all rich. And he is poor. And Jesus asked, why did you go to the desert? What did you go to see? Ask the question. What did you go to see? What did you go out? Okay. What did you go out to see? Matthew eleven eight. A man clothed in soft garments. Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, more than a prophet. What did you go to see? What did you go to see? That's what God is. What did you go to see? You should be dressed decently. But truth doesn't need a costume. Truth doesn't need a costume. Truth simply stands on its own. You tell me until Jesus dies, the beginning, and he is dead. In between, tell me how Jesus was dressed. No. Swaddling clothes, one piece. In between, we know woman touched the hem of his robe. Other than that, we know nothing about how he was dressed. Do you know how he looked? Know his height? Know his weight? Nothing. We know nothing. You know what? Before truth, none of these things are irrelevant. It's true in the world. It is true in the kingdom of God also. When it comes to ideas, do you know how Mao looked like? Does it matter? You? No. Do you know how Karl Marx looked like? Those ideas framed them and those ideas still look though they are dead. The deadly ideas. Jesus came. He did not bring an idea. He brought something that is called truth. And the truth should permeate. And we are struggling. And that's why Jesus comes and says, do you want to get well? Do you want to be made whole? Do you really want to? And that's the question God is asking. Stop your excuses. Stop your excuses. You're not alone. I am here with you. You can never again say you are alone. I have come. You can never again say I have no husband. I have come. Bring your husband. I have no husband. Okay. Truly I have said, but now I am here. What do you say? I have no one. Well, I am here. What do you say? The fundamental lessons we have to learn. These lessons, if you don't learn. You see, you can come into the kingdom and never progress further. Ideas have grappled us and we love those ideas. It's like that man. Dependence. You, you are dependent upon an idea to justify everything that you do. Justify your lack of spiritual progress. Because in the kingdom of God, everybody knows at least by idea-wise what matters is spiritual progress. None of those things matter. If you really know the kingdom of God, you can have houses, you can have bungalows, you can have cars, you can have million dollars in your bank. All that is irrelevant. The only thing is how far have you gone in Christ? And when you haven't gone further in Christ, you know what happens. There is an issue. What is stopping you? What is stopping you? God has met you. He showed you mercy. Mercy. So God says there are two vessels. One is the vessel of 
mercy. The other is the vessel of wrath. You go to First Peter chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. Interesting. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious. And he put believe, he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. A stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. It's a stone put over there. Some people fall upon it, they receive mercy. Some people will be ultimately be crushed by it. That's what Daniel also saw, Nebuchadnezzar also saw. But he comes to everybody. But everybody can go to him. There's nothing stopping. Nicodemus can go to him, God won't stop him. No, you are rich, stay out, he doesn't stop. Doesn't stop anybody. You can approach him. He's always willing. You have to see Jesus through the scriptures. He's always welcome. He's never unwilling. If you look at him, he, if you look at him, you will find him all kind of strange places, having meals with people. He never discounted anybody. The question is, are we willing? Do we understand what mercy is? That you cannot earn mercy. Our ba- basic problem is with mercy and grace. You cannot earn mercy. You cannot please God by your works. Cannot. But to the one who says, Lord, I am alone, I am helpless. To the one who says, Lord, I have no husband. God says, I am here. I am has come. Pick up your mat and walk. Pick up your mat. I have come. No more excuses. Now the question is, how do you know you are a vessel of mercy? Can't leave it to theological argument and go, right? We also need to know which vessel I am. Oh, one day, thank you Lord, I am a vessel of mercy. And then one day you wake up like the rich man and end up in hell. The twinkling of an eye, everything changed. Everybody thought Lazarus was, according to Jewish, current Jewish theology and current prosperity theology, Lazarus was an object of God's wrath. Look at him. Beggar, poor, head to toe. Hmm? Swords. So, according to prosperity gospel, he is suffering. He has no money. He is sick and is alone. Dogs for company. Oh, can also quote scripture. According to scripture, dogs are outside the kingdom. Definitely this fellow with the dogs are outside. Look at this man, dressed in purple. If you look at his robe carefully, there is a dove also printed there. Eating sumptuously. This man is an object of God's mercy. This is an object of God's wrath. And then both died. Then Jesus says, do you know who was the object of God's mercy? This one. Do you know who was the object of God's mercy? Wrath? This one. Jesus told this story 2,000 years ago. When this incident happened, we do not know. But if it happened at some time then, 2,000 years, the Christ still hasn't changed of the rich man. He still thirsts. He still thirsts. God is asking this question. 
Do you understand mercy? Do you and I understand mercy? Do we really understand mercy? How do I know I am a recipient of mercy? Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, brethren, by, by the mercies of God. Are you a recipient? He's begging. He says, do you know you are a recipient of God's mercy? You know you are a recipient of God's mercy. What should you do? Offer your bodies as a living life. Give your life now over to Him. There were a thousand of you lying over there. He touched you. He could have walked you by too. He touched you. He touched you. He's not going to force you. He's not forcing you. It's your choice. He touched you. He showed you mercy. What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? You can choose what you are going to do. What are you going to do now? Will you offer your life? Will you offer your mind? And your ways? Will it change? Your mind and your ways? Do not be conformed to the pattern of the world. You cannot have the ways of the world without the thinking of the world. The thinking comes first. Do you still think like the world? So he says, have you offered as a recipient of mercy? Is the service too long for you? And the movie was too short? Do you still complain? Do you know you are an object of God's mercy? Do you think yesterday's prayer service was a little too long? How do you see as perspective changed, John chapter 5 and verse 14, he understood. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple. Why did he go to the temple? He didn't know who Jesus was. Jesus didn't tell him anything. He didn't even know who Jesus was. Why didn't he go home first? I said, philosophy, Daddy, Mommy, all brothers, see, I am healed, I am walking. Did he go home? Oh, 38 years I haven't gone to the bar. I was waiting for an opportunity. I have plenty of money saved under my mat too. Let him have a drink. I haven't gone yet. Hmm? But where did he go? Where do people who know they have received something they totally never deserved go? They go to God. They go back to God. He didn't know who Jesus was, but he knew where the temple was. So he knew, even if somebody who I did not know healed me, it is the God of Israel who healed me. I need to go and worship him. I need to go and worship him. You cannot keep me away from his house anymore. Because now I have been made well. Now I have been made whole. You know where I am first going? I am going to the house of God. You know why? Because I received mercy. I received mercy. David rose from the ground and asked, is the boy dead? And they said, he's dead. He rose. He washed himself, anointed himself, changed his clothes, went to the house of God and worshipped. Why? Because I received mercy. I should have died. He died. He did nothing wrong. I did. God took him, spared me. I need to worship. 
do we think we were so perfect till last night that we woke up this morning or is it mercy? Mercy. That's why scripture says his mercies are new every morning. Mercy. 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 This is fundamental. And even for all the ones who are hearing around the world who have gone through all your abuse and all your suffering and all that you have gone through, let me tell you this is Fundamental in God's kingdom. Don't react according to your wounds. React according to the mercy you have received. Because in the in James will say this. James will say this in chapter two and verse thirteen. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. You know what Jesus told this man? He told him, don't sin again. Don't sin again. Something worse will happen to you. Meaning, Jesus knew his sin. Jesus knew what had brought him to this level for 38 years. And Jesus is the only one who could have passed judgment. Mercy triumphed over judgment. The woman caught in adultery. Imagine, caught in the act of adultery thrown before him. Jesus knew. He did not need evidence. He knew. He was wrong. He knew. But you know what he said? Go. Sin no more. You know what Jesus told him? Look at what Jesus told him. Sammy, do you know where our pen is? No, it's okay. If you can't find it, it's how did he reach the top? I thought I had kept no it's here. Okay. Let's go to John chapter five. I wanna tell you something. Fourteen. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. You know what Jesus is telling? Let me tell you something so that all people will understand what he is trying to tell you. Something worse thing will come to you. Okay? One. Okay. Can you see? Everybody can see? Or this is better? Sammy, I am making you move the camera. Okay? Got it? Are you there? Okay, you smoked a cigarette. That's how it started. You moved to grass. You moved to harder stuff. Then finally, you have a needle in your arm. You know what it is. You are a cocaine addict now. Okay? You getting it? And Jesus meets you here. I'm just using this as an illustration. Jesus meets you here and says, pick up your mat and walk. You walk free. What did Jesus tell him? Sin no more. You know what happens? When you sin again, you don't go back here. You go back here. That's the way it works. You don't go back to cigarettes. When you go back, you go back to heroin and you die. That's the nature of sin. You don't go back to where you started. You go back to where you finished. 
when you're just one step away from destruction, God says, sin no more. Sin no more. That's how it happens. Are you getting the picture? Jesus married single, uh, not Jesus, David married single women. Jesus, uh, David married widows, and then he took Uriah aside, killed him, and married, and Jesus met him there. I have sinned. Sin is removed. The sword will not depart. Telling him, now if you go back, you will die. Because now if you go back, you will not go to single women or widows, you will go to married women, and you will die. You will die. Sin also has progression. So has righteousness. It's the progression. God is telling us something over here. You are a recipient of mercy. You are a recipient of mercy. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. The independent ones, the rich ones, he says, be very, very careful. Very, very careful. Be very, very careful. Very, very because nobody can live like that without destruction. So the first independent being in the world was the devil. And God is not independent. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit always works together. They are humble. They they share with each other. They do things together, and they are never alone. So God says, "Are you rich?" He says, "You know how difficult it is for the rich." To enter into the kingdom of God? Rich, the, you have a church full of intellectuals. You know how difficult it is to minister? See, you haven't come from academic backgrounds, most of you. Only Pastor Vijay and I have come from academic backgrounds. I'll tell you in academic backgrounds. I'm not talking about school call at the higher levels or academic backgrounds when you're teaching at higher levels. You always need to be on your toes, be one step ahead of your students. Always a battle. It's always a battle. One step ahead of your students. It's always a battle. Because they're all smart Alex sitting over there who wants to prove they're smart better than the prof. Throwing ideas like this. You know, like you throw paper planes. In philosophy literature classes, they throw ideas. They're rich. problem is, today's world is so different from the previous world. Everybody has gone to school. Everybody has gone to college. Everybody is educated. And the education is not in skills anymore. It is in ideas. And we have young humanists and young feminists and young socialists. They're all throwing ideas. Movements, carrying placards. Only thing they don't bring into the church. But they sit with that in their minds and they are not listening to the message or the word. They are opposing everything. And we don't realize it is there in our own heads too. Have you put away all those things? Can you truly say I am a new creation Christ Jesus? All the old things have passed away. No. Very few people can say. One of the few people in the Bible was Paul who was an intellectual. 
in Jewish theology. He put it all away. He said, I don't even consider, consider it as rubbish. But he could argue with the Greeks in Athens. So that's what I'm talking about. People don't realize they have been framed by ideas. And it's very difficult once an idea takes hold in your mind. Those are the strongholds in your mind. Turn to James chapter 2 and verse 5 if I'm right. Listen, my beloved brethren. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? And heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? The question is, are you poor in this world? When it comes to ideas, you are poor. Very poor. I don't know socialism. I don't know Marxism. I don't know feminism. But I know Christ. Go to any one of these simple semi-literate churches and tell that lady, no, it is written, submit your husbands in all things. Jesus said it, no, I will do it. After that, no trouble in the house. Simple. You take one of the sophisticated ladies in the English-speaking church, what do you think? I am a footmat. Footmat is never used in the Bible at all. They have vocabulary from outside the Bible. Yeah, love your wife as Christ loves. Okay, be gentle. Okay, when you use your words, don't use like a fire hose. Be gentle. Okay, okay, yeah. Try telling that in English-speaking church. You see the response. You don't know what my wife is like. And they will quote from Shakespeare and all. We understand how rich we are. Unless we look into scripture and then only we realize what Bible says. Bible says he has chosen the poor of this world. Poor it. Monetarily or ideas, why culture wise or any of those things. Culture is a big thing. Oh, big thing. Can you make the poor comfortable in your house? Oh, they will be uncomfortable. I'll tell you a real story. I think I've told this before also. A young girl, uh, nice girl, decided to you know, like this boy and wanted to introduce him to her, her parents. But he was a simple guy. He was a simple guy, never sophisticated or anything. He didn't know how to use a fork and spoon and all that. No, that kind of no. You know, if you go to some of these high fund restaurants, they got all kinds of forks and knives. You wouldn't know what to do with them. For everything, there's a different fork. This is all part of culture. God gave us two hands, man-made forks. Okay? My simple question to people always is that, if you eat with a fork and a spoon, fantastic, but don't impose it on others. I ask them the question, how do you think Jesus ate? How would Jesus eat today if you were to come? As simple as that. Don't make it into a culture issue because it becomes a culture issue. Let me let's, let me explain it to you. So this girl brings her boy, and they come. They are from a much more educated, cultured background, and he is not. So when they sit down to eat, okay, they're all using fork and spoon and knife and all. And this guy is only knows how to use the spoon. He doesn't know how to use. Okay, so he is a little embarrassed. And he's trying, things are all falling off. The father is a very kind, understanding man. He looks from the corner of the eye and he sees it. And without drawing any attention, you know what he did? He slowly put his knife and his fork and he started eating with a spoon. 
the wine artist that he really oh he's eating with a spoon. I also can eat with a spoon. He's fantastic. That's what God is saying. Do you make people at ease? This kingdom of God is full of poor people. Poor people. Can you? Feel like you're not? Can you? Jesus was like that. He would eat in a rich man's house and he could sit and eat in a poor man's house. He had no issues. Culture was started. Today, culture is a big issue. Most of the restaurants in Haifanda restaurants in US and all, Jesus won't be allowed to come in because he doesn't have the appropriate costume. A lot of people invite Jesus also. I'm telling you, this is the parameters of rich. Intellectual riches, material riches, culture. These are all big things. Do you think when you reach heaven, God is going to look at all the ladies? Oh, how soft your hands are, honey. For the ones who are broken. Because they were taking care of six kids. And washing the clothes. Because they did not have, they could not make ends meet. And they washed all the clothes by hand. And their knees were all cracked. Because they were praying for the children when they went out. Lord, bring them. I remember one incredible pastor. His pastor, a very, very powerful man. Who had one of the largest Baptist ministries. He remembers, he says, he's the first time as a teenager. He said, when I was given permission to go. With my friends, he said, we got into that car, and we were, I was at the back, and the boys took out the bottle, and they were passing it around, and he pushed, he said, I simply couldn't, I simply couldn't, I simply couldn't, he said, all I could see was my mother's face, I was more worried, because I can't lie, the first thing she will ask me, is, says, Jack, did you drink, and if I said yes, I said, I knew she would wail as if her heart had broken, and I simply couldn't handle it, he said, please stop the car. And he said, what happened? He just stopped the car. He said, he got off and he walked back home. And he said, when I walked back home, quietly entered through the kitchen. And as I entered through the kitchen, what I saw was my mother on her knees saying, Lord, my son has gone out with his friends for the first time. Let him not fall. My father, let him not fall. He said, I never went back to that company ever in my life. I couldn't afford. I did not know God. But I saw her heart and I said, I cannot break her heart. Cannot break her heart. This is kingdom. These are poor mothers. These are poor mothers. They are not rich mothers. They are poor mothers. That's what God is talking about. Are you poor? Are you a poor father? Or are you a rich father? Are you a poor husband or a rich husband? Are you a poor wife or a rich wife? What ideas are there in your mind? Did you... Ask, question the source of every idea. Does it agree with it? And when it doesn't agree with it, are you willing to be alone? Are you willing to be alone? Alone in your classroom? Okay. I'm sorry, but this is what I believe. You'll be mocked. That's what Paul says. I'm willing to be a fool for Christ Jesus' sake. Fool. Because your convictions are very, very strong. They are very, very deep. And you will not change. Because you know these convictions come from God. This is nothing to do with man. Therefore you will not change. Because that is what Jesus is talking about. Building the house on the rock. And then if you fall, it was not rebellion. It was sin. And David bounced back. Bounced back. Because convictions were very strong. Saul had no convictions. No convictions. 
That's the problem with Saul and David. Saul had no convictions. David had very strong convictions. That's what God is talking about. This is the greatest sign God will ever give you. That I am a vessel of mercy. Vessel of mercy. Go to John chapter 4 and verse 48. When that rich man came to his son was dying, remember? And Jesus responded, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Signs, 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 wonders, signs, wonders, signs. When are you going to get the message? Every sign has only one message. When will you get a message? How many signs do you need before you get the message? <laughs> we tell our How many times do you have to repeat you before you get 2 plus 2 is 4? That's what Jesus is saying. Sign after sign after sign after sign. When now you get this thing, God is a good God. Just go to Him. He's merciful. He's kind. He will forgive you. You will become a child. How many signs do you want? How many wonders do you want? Why can't you just believe? The one thing to sing God is good all the time and believe He's good all the time. One is words. The other is deep-rooted. God is good. God is good all the time. Nothing can happen to me which will make God bad. Because He's always good. Look at Matthew 16 and verse 4. Jesus answered. Let's read from verses 1 to 4. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay, One is far, the other is sad. They came. Testing Him. Asked that He would show Him a sign from heaven. answer and said to them, when it is evening you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red and in the morning it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and threatening hypocrites. You know how to discern the face of the sky but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah and he left him and departed. Only one sign. Only one sign was given. You know what's the sign? The sign of Jonah. You know what's the sign? Three days, three nights, the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth. You know what that sign is? That is the greatest sign of God's mercy towards mankind. One sign. And if you have received that sign, I am a vessel of God's mercy, not wrath. Because he poured his wrath on him. He became the vessel of God's wrath. I became a vessel of God's mercy. Then I am a sign. I am a message. People look at you and me. They should say, he's an object of God's mercy. Object of God's mercy. That's what God is talking about. Object of God's mercy. We are not rich. We are rich in faith. Rich in faith. Everybody wants to be rich in everything else except rich in faith. They want to be rich in name and rich in culture and rich in intellect degrees and rich in all these things. Ultimately, when the end comes, the only thing will matter. Were you rich in faith? How much of the word did you believe? Rich in faith here means both. How much of those convictions became your own, became your life? 
how much did you hear, hear and was led by my spirit. Please get these things because the world is two groups, the independent and the dependent. And then God comes and says, do you want to get that? Do you want to get that? A simple question. He's not even asking you, do you want to get well? He's asking you, do you want to be made holy? Do you want to be made holy? That's a question he's asking spiritually. Because everywhere in these last days, that will be the struggle. That's where people will fall away from the faith. Fall away from the faith. Fall away from Everything changed in Christendom. I'm not saying per se it was bad, but it became completely different. Completely different. You know what happened? I'll tell you. When Peter and John began, there were two things that was mentioned about them. First thing they said, gold and silver we do not have. Second thing it was said about them, they were unlearned men, but they were with Jesus. Today, if you want to be considered successful, even in ministry, you need to have gold and silver. And two, you need to have a degree from very high class seminary. You don't have to be with Jesus. You know how the ministry began in the book of Acts? You know how ministry began in that? But God has never changed his format. You can have degrees, you can have, that's all irrelevant. Are you rich in faith or not? Have you been with Jesus? That is the format for every believer. Format for every believer. Are you rich in faith? Are you growing in faith? Are you growing deep in your convictions where you will not change? One of my kids, very new, new believer, very new believer. I mean, one year, one and a half year, so maybe listening also. So, she told me, Uncle, in one of her messages, I heard you speak about pork. And after that, I cannot eat. While their daily diet is pork and spinach. And she's the only child in the family who doesn't eat. You know, she said, it hit my heart. I'm convicted. You know why she's convicted? Because she's very poor in, in the spirit. She's not, she's not bringing any ideas over there. Why should I? Why should I not? And go for a scientific study on it. Nothing. That's what the word of God says. Like, not mentioning these. I mean, actually not mentioning my wife. She said, we were, thinking, we were thinking about cooking duck. Is it okay to eat duck? I said, on the random, Leviticus 3.17 says this. Look at Leviticus 3.17. Now, I'm not trying to make you miserable or anything. I said, this is what scripture says. Leviticus. This shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generation, all your dwellings. You shall neither eat fat, neither eat neither fat nor blood. And the Bible will say the fat and the blood belongs to the Lord. Okay. The duck's meat, unlike the hen, is saturated with fat. You cannot separate it. If you ask me, do you eat duck? If I eat duck, will I die? No. But I'll always feel terrible. My father said something, and I did something for the sake of my belief. Is duck tasty? Yes, it is tasty. I have eaten duck. Is crab tasty? Of course, it is yummy. I have eaten all these things. But there were times in my life where God spoke to me about certain things and said, no, I am not imposing it on to anybody, but these are my convictions. 
And one thing I know, when I reach heaven, I will neither miss duck or crab or shrimp or pork. Nobody is going to miss any of these things. Then you are an Israelite who came out of Egypt. Because these all become stumbling blocks as you go further. There is liberty, I am telling you. And it is up to each one. But once you have heard, obey. Obey. God doesn't tell everything to everybody at the same time. But he over as you go further, he speaks. And it could be a simple thing. Simple thing that can stop you. Simple thing. The Bible says they ate manna every day of their life. There was none feeble, meaning nobody was weak. There was none sick. Nobody was sick. But you know what their complaint was? It didn't taste good. sick of it. But but let me ask you this fundamental question. First you have to always ask purpose. What is the purpose of food? First is strength. Second is I shouldn't fall ill. Third is taste. Taste is third, not first. Did God meet the fundamental purpose of food in their lives? There was none feeble, none sick. And they were upset. And you look at everything. There's a fundamental purpose behind everything. Everything in concerning this life is mentioned in the Bible. And you have to realize, is that met or not? If that's met, be content. Be content. content. But the problem is the material pulls us down. Material pulls us down. And it is passed on to us as the will of God. So you know what happens? Are people saved? Yes. But they are alone. They are alone. Because God, they don't experience God. They are alone. And they are not able to move forward with God. And the end is here. That's what Hosea or Amos says, no? The day of the Lord is near and multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Valley of decision. Multitudes. The end is here. And it's here, very close. When John MacArthur preached last week, the judgment is at the gate. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of... Why? Because no conviction. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near. In the valley of decision. They're still in the valley. They haven't made up their minds yet. Think about it. Even about basic fundamental things about the kingdom of God. People haven't made up their minds yet. It's still like like uh, Elijah's crowd. Caught between two opinions. And they will not say anything. Didn't I catch you on Saturday, on Thursday? If you have given a green card and a million dollars, where would you go? What did everybody say? Yeah. Why? Because you don't value your liberty. You value your stomach. Between Blasio and Kuma, you will be crushed. Honestly. Unless you love a Bohemian homes a lifestyle, you won't want to live in New York. Unless God wants you there. Think about it. How do we make our choices? 
how do we make we are still not getting though we have been here for 12 years and we have heard we are still not getting fundamental principles is because also because we have swallowed so many things and accepted it as truth one of the things we have swallowed is the prosperity gospel that it is your divine right to be rich and well and nothing will touch you along with that they sold another one and you go like that poo trumpet and everybody will be taken these two things and they absolutely told told you and sold it to you pakka 100% with the pastor's seal you will be taken before tribulation nobody is sure jesus never mentioned anything like that pakka you put these together you have become complacent we don't realize lot of people who came to gtc also came with this doctrine when there is nothing guaranteed nothing guaranteed there are so many pictures in the bible you cannot say this picture alone very dangerous very dangerous you have noah's picture of judgment you have sodom and gomorrah's picture that the man was taken out only before fire fell that was a the fellow was a dumbo somebody had to pray and the angels had to drag him out now i don't think in the last days god is going to send angels to drag unbelieving believers out of this world he will say perish with babylon or come through tribulation and then there is egypt and egypt picture is the dangerous one 10 plagues seven plagues in the book of revelation they are almost identical and the issue is until the 10th plague was over he did not remove israel out of egypt so what if the church has to go through it but they have to be in god's protected place called goshen can you hear where goshen is it's not one place anymore it has to be different places and it's only possible if you heard and obeyed the voice of moses for them was the voice of the holy spirit go there and stay and what if this pandemic is first a picture of it the pandemic is like the first three plagues everybody has been afflicted the church and the world and egypt and israel was afflicted it didn't matter where you were you were afflicted at the fourth god made a division what if you think unlike the illuminati this is god's warning also everybody is dying the righteous and the unrighteous after that i'll make a division but the division will only happen if you hear carefully are in your appointed place multitudes multitudes in the valley of decision they still haven't made up their minds even about fundamental things what to eat what to drink what to wear what to read how to think have even made up their minds how to spend their time this is the danger which the church has got because certain churches will put out cross a doctrine and get certified this is the way it is going to happen jesus said no man knows when he was on earth he said even i don't know i don't know eschatology is gone out of the window and number third we will know another eschatology will have to start whichever way it goes nobody knows nobody is able to read god says he asks a simple question do you want to be made whole all that you have been sitting on for 38 years you've been sitting on that for 38 years the simple the funniest thing is that what he asked he didn't tell him get up arise and go he said arise pick up your mat and go you know why because this is your whole set of excuses on which you sat so take it up 
many many years ago in a hindi north indian church i told them this is what will happen you don't take your mat and you go you go home husband if you had a wife or children or parents everybody is happy oh excited let us say his name is okay okay so he's come home did you see he's healed everything it's okay he's come they cook a nice meal he's also very happy everybody it's one day two days three days four days five days six days after that this is okay you can't sit like this and eat you need to do something and work to learn he says but i don't know anything to do i never went to school No, you can't live like that. After that, you realize everybody gets nobody is happy about your miracle because you have become a burden. Why don't you go do something? Then you realize, ah, I know one thing to do. Go back there. Nobody knows in this crowd. Amma, sahe. Takes your money, evening, get up and work. You know what happens? You go back to your old lifestyle. Pick up your mat and walk. No more excuses. Salvation is not an invitation to go back to your old life. Salvation is an invitation to go to an absolutely new, brand new life. If any man is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Old has passed away. It's gone. It's gone. And everyone who is listening, it's gone. It's gone. And so many of you are struggling because even though you are praying for your breakthrough, in your mind is to go back and build the past. Build the past, right? Build the past. You want to build the past? You are struggling, and you have a dream and a vision. Lord, I want a breakthrough, and I will build my past up with nice, bigger structure. God says, "No, you are not going back to your past at all." Not your past life, not your past job, not your past business. It's all over. When I start with somebody, I start with him all over fresh. It's completely, it's a completely different lifestyle. It's a completely something new, and we need to be ready for that without being afraid. Pick it up and go. All of them stopped him and said, "Why are you carrying a mat on Sabbath?" And he said, "I don't know. The one who healed me told me." Who is it? I don't. I don't even know his name. Think about it. Think about. It. Isn't that true? When I got saved, I hardly knew who Jesus was. I didn't know my Bible. <laughs> I didn't really know who he was. But it didn't make any difference for my salvation. I was not saved because of my knowledge of Jesus. I was saved because I received his mercy. Don't forget these fundamental lessons today. Don't forget these fundamental lessons. What salvation is? It's a completely new life God is offering. And if you're a vessel of mercy, then walk in mercy. Walk in truth. Truth and mercy have kissed together. But you don't have to bring out justice. That's not your job. Leave justice to God. Then. Don't do anything because nobody knows the actual truth. Leave it to God. Unless you are called to make a judgment and come to leave it alone. Truth and mercy have to kiss together. You have deep-rooted convic- convictions. Yet, when you look at people, you are very merciful. You know why? Because you too were a recipient of mercy. That is why that that parable of Jesus Christ. Remember about the man who refused to show mercy to somebody who owed him a little. He said, "Throw him in. Release the tormentors from him." Because I 
सॉन थिंग वी नीड टू रियलाइज वी आर वी आर इट्स अ फंडामेंटल ट्रैप क्रिश्चियंस वी आर कॉट इन दे रिसीव मर्सी एंड दे डोंट शो मर्सी डोंट शो मर्सी दे गेट ट्रैप्ड इन सो नो द वाइल्स ऑफ द एनिमी अंडरस्टैंड व्हाट द गॉस्पेल इज एंड गॉड सेज एस आई क्लोज हिब्रूस 4:16 I was glad, very glad, when they said to me, "Was are we going first for mercy? Come boldly to the throne room of grace, that we may obtain mercy." You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid at all. Doesn't matter how many times you fell or what you fell in. You know why we are afraid to go for mercy? Because we don't understand the fundamental concept about both mercy and grace. It cannot be. earned or deserved remember the mother who came begging for the life of her son who was to be executed the next day morning to napoleon emperor a beg for mercy for the life of my son napoleon said madam your son does not deserve mercy she said emperor your highness if you deserve mercy it's not mercy because mercy is not deserved everything is over the final petition of those people who have to be hanged is to the president it's called a mercy petition it's not that they deserve judgment has already been passed what is that death by hanging what is he appealing appealing to the mercy of the head of the state mercy nothing else i'm falling at your feet have mercy and we need to realize from the first man to the last man everyone who will be in heaven is because judgment was passed death by hanging in hell forever god show mercy show mercy god says now you show mercy because i also showed you mercy be very very careful about these fundamental principles of god's kingdom it's a kingdom of mercy and grace you can never earn it That's why Bible says no one will stand before God and boast. I did. God said you did. It was mercy, and it was grace. Mercy and grace. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. Like that man, Lord. We all come to you. An important men and women. You are an omnipotent God. All power is with you. and you extended your scepter showed mercy to us the kings the mighty kings of this world only showed their scepter but you king of kings and lord of lords came and laid hands on us the leper the sick the infirm you went to them everyone who is condemned in the world go to the rich and the powerful and beg for mercy but you on the other hand came to us and showed us mercy help us never to forget this lord never never forget we are recipients of god's mercy called to walk in mercy and when we walk and receive and then we go into the temple into your house to worship you we will be met by you we'll never be alone again because you will reveal yourself to us You are never meant to be alone and lonely, because He said, "I would send." The Father will send somebody just like me. He'll be with you, and in you forever. And you promised us, "I will not leave you as orphans." 
Oh, Father, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you, thank you, thank you. By faith, I bring everyone, Lord, around the world who are listening. Some have been abused in ways that are unimaginable, but they too are recipients of your mercy. You did not show them mercy because they were abused. You did not show them mercy because they suffered. None of these things qualify for your mercy, O oh Lord. You showed mercy because that's your prerogative as king. I pray, Father, we too will become vessels of mercy and walk in mercy. We will not be rich in the things of this world. We'll be rich in faith. Your word says, you have chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith. We'll be rich in our convictions. We'll be rich in what you say. Your word will be our food. We will not be like the children of Israel in the desert saying, we are tired of this manna. Oh Lord, we'll never be tired of you. You are our life. Your word is our life. Your spirit is our life. This morning we surrender as a church around the world, GDC worldwide. Pour out your mercy and your grace upon us, Lord. And help us to walk in it, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise. Jesus' name we pray. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.